0: This is the Birth Baby and Life podcast and we're snuggling our way into episode number 30. Welcome to the Birth Baby and Life podcast. The tips, tools and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristin Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from com, and I am here with episode number 30 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I can hardly believe that I am on my 30th episode of this podcast, but it has been such a joy, hectic to fit in at times in a busy life, but always a joy, and what I enjoy the most is hearing from you. So many of you email me, and you're welcome to email me anytime, Kristen at com. And so many of my students mentioned that they first found me on the podcast. I've been running naturalbirthandbabycare.com for about eight years now, and I've always gotten a lot of emails from visitors, but proportionately between the number of people that listen to the podcast and the number of people that I hear from that mention the podcast. um, I just, I hear a lot more from podcast listeners than I do just random website visitors. So I wanted to say thank you for that. And I'm excited to keep the podcast up. I always love to hear what you want to learn more about and in fact the episode or the topic for this episode of the podcast was inspired by a listener question. I answered part of it on the last episode and then ran out of time, so I'm going to finish it up on this episode. Before I dive into that, I wanted to let you know that there is news in the birth and baby world this week. If you're listening, uh in the future this might be old news, but right now it's big news. The Midwives Association of North America has released their statistics. Many midwives who are members of the of MANA keep statistics and submit them on a standardized form that MANA has provided, and this is the first time that the statistics have been released since 2004. Um, so the statistics data set that was released with this group was all births from... I believe 2005 to 2009. So I have one baby in that data set, uh, which is my Galen. And maybe, might be Brennan, because he was born in 2005. But I'm not sure if my midwife with Brennan contributed to this data pool. I know and remember that my midwife with Galen did. So his birth is in there amongst one of the statistics. These statistics are really heartening because they showed that for Uh, healthy, low-risk mothers and babies, home birth is a very safe option. Uh, There was low rates of complication, low rates of intervention, low rates of cesarean, uh, very low mortality rates. It all looked very good. When the Statistics were tabulated to include slightly higher risk populations like moms planning a VBAC or multiples or breech babies. Um, The mortality statistics were slightly higher, not too high. The internet is kind of on fire right now, as always happens when statistics are released, uh, with some people saying that they look really good and some people prominent home birth detractors who shall remain nameless right now are of course publishing things like a baby is four times more likely to die at home than in the hospital and all this kind of nonsense. Essentially they take the statistics and they twist them any way they want and then they accuse people who support home birth of doing the same thing and what it really comes down to is you need to do your homework, you need to talk to your care provider, you need to be uh, responsible For your health and your pregnancy, listen to your intuition and decide what you might feel comfortable with or what you don't feel comfortable with because in the end, that's really, that's what it comes down to is listening to yourself, taking care of yourself and feeling like you have a competent care provider and you're in the right place to give birth to your baby. I believe that women deserve plenty of information and that in the end, women also deserve to have a choice to choose who attends them and where. Uh, so I think that the statistics are very heartening. They're not surprising to me. A lot of people said that maybe MANA hadn't released statistics for a while because there was something uh, horribly wrong with them, but we can see that that's not the truth. I will put links to a lot of the articles that are showing information about the statistics, the big academic papers um, involving... Research and analysis of those statistics have already been published in a journal that I cannot currently remember the name of, but I will publish a link to an article that talks all about that in the show notes. Other than that, I think we're ready to jump right into our topic. I did forget to tell you something on the last episode. I let you know what nursing textbook I had taken the information for what your nurse will do to help you after your baby's birth. Uh, on the podcast, and then I totally forgot to cite the name of the midwifery text that I referenced. I did put that information in the show notes, excuse me, but in case you didn't see those show notes, is Holistic Midwifery Volume 2 by Anne Fry is the, the midwifery text that I referenced for, for these two show segments. What we're talking about is the postpartum period and if you didn't listen to the last episode of the show, I would recommend that you do so because I talk about the immediate postpartum period on that show. When I say immediate, I'm talking about the first hour and then the first day or so after birth where there are a lot of physiological changes happening to your body. And these two episodes of the show really focus on you. Of course, baby is going through a lot of changes postpartum as uh, he or she transitions from fetal life to life breathing air and nursing and not having an umbilical cord. But this episode and the one before are really talking about your transition and we can talk more about baby's transition in another episode. What can you expect going on postpartum once you get past that immediate early time? One thing that I talked about in the last one that I want to mention again is after pains, because they can go on for a few days. Usually, you won't have after pains with your first baby, which is a big blessing, but often women have them with subsequent babies. And I have had really, really tough after pains with all of my babies very hard to very hard to find any joy or thankfulness about because they hurt uh, in labor when you're experiencing that intensity and that possible pain. It's much easier in a sense because you know that you're working with your baby and you're working towards your baby, but the after pains just feel kind of pointless and unfair because you've already done the hard work, and why should you hurt? Uh, and then if you have a midwife or a nurse massaging your uterus or when your baby nurses, it's likely to bring them on even even stronger and that feels even more unfair. So as I discussed on the last episode, if you want to take medication to help ease the after pains, Tylenol or something like that, ask your nurse or midwife. You can. I personally never have. I've just used breathing and things like that to get through it. But you're welcome to take something if you want to. Um, My midwife with Cassidy Asher and Brennan told me after Asher and Brennan were born that the after pains are are bad for about three days and then they're done. And I have found that to be extremely true. I don't know if maybe her power of suggestion was so strong, but I suspect it's that she's a midwife and she's seen a lot of things. But they're pretty tough for a few days and then... They just become uh, sort of squeezing, and then you don't even notice them at all. So if you are thinking that you don't want to take anything for pain, then you have after pains. You can just count on using labor breathing uh, until uh, for about three days, and then it won't be too bad. I also want to mention that it's not a constant pain or anything, and it's really not. It's not like it's going to be happening at the frequency with which contractions happen at the end of labor. It's just every once in a while. And they're pretty bad, but they're not coming one on top of each other or anything like you're in transition. It's just periodically you're uncomfortable, especially when baby nurses because that causes your uterus to contract, which is something that you want to happen because it keeps it nice and firm, but you may also experience after pains. Another thing that you may experience is engorgement. Your milk comes in and that's a wonderful thing, uh, but engorgement can be pretty uncomfortable. Your breasts get just so full of milk that they get really tight and hard and uncomfortable. This usually happens when your milk comes in, which is generally between a day or two or three after giving birth because your baby's just getting colostrum in the first few days. But when your milk comes in, you will probably be able to tell. Um, It is very visible. I've heard moms describe it like they feel like they have boulders on their chest and It can be really uncomfortable and it can be hard because your newborn is tiny and you and your newborn are just getting used to the nursing relationship so your baby may not be able to effectively clear out all that milk really easily yet Um, and then when, when the breast gets engorged it becomes hard and the skin is tight and it makes it harder for the baby to latch on. If you happen to be tandem nursing and have an older nursling, this can be a really good time to ask them to come over and have a nurse so that it helps soften things and then the baby can latch on much easier and both of you are happier. If you don't have an older nursling, then you can try and hand express or have a simple hand pump around, something that works effectively. There are many different brands depending on what country you are in. So what I would do is just go to somewhere like Amazon um, or any, any place in your country, any website that has reviews and read reviews. Uh, I've always used an Avent Isis pump and that's always worked well for me. But what you're doing when you're pumping for engorgement is you're not trying to get a whole feed out or anything like that. You're literally just working to soften the breasts a little. Other things that you can do are lean over a basin of warm water and actually dip your breasts in the warm water or take a hot shower, making sure to let the water run over your chest. I had a friend who, she never owned a pump. She always just did manual expression. And she said that she would get in the shower and let the hot water run over her breasts for a few minutes and then she would manually express some of the milk and then be ready to sit down with her baby. The good news about engorgement is that it tends to resolve pretty quickly because your body kind of overcompensates at first. I've always joked that it seems to think that I've given birth to twins, but when it realizes that your baby doesn't need quite that much milk, it it regulates and so you're not getting engorged as much. If you're having problems with any of this, like I said in the last episode, you certainly want to call a lactation consultant or your local La Leche League leader. And again, I'll link to La Leche League so that you can find a group or a leader in your area in the show notes. Another thing related to uh, nursing is you may notice leaking milk. So you're probably going to have a lot of milk, and you're probably going to leak. You may leak between feedings, but especially when your baby is nursing on one side, you're very likely to leak on the other side. It's a good thing. It means that you have a nice, plentiful milk supply. In the early days, it can be really annoying. So when your baby starts to nurse on one side, if you're not wearing a nursing bra with a breast pad in it, then you can just put, say, a cloth diaper or a burp cloth uh, or even a baby blanket, under the other side or up against the other breast, and that will help absorb the milk. At night, if you're co-sleeping and you have your baby in bed with you, I highly recommend that you put a pre diaper up under the two of you. If you're still in the real early days, so you have the blue pads or the chucks pads with you, you can put one of those under the both of you. But once you've given that up, um, Uh, A cloth diaper under the both of you, one of the bigger sizes, really works well for helping to protect the bed and absorbing any leaking milk or spit up or anything else like that that may occur in the night. Uh, And when you go out and about, it's probably a good idea for multiple reasons to uh, bring an extra shirt in your baby's diaper bag. I do recommend that you stay home for, you know, plan to stay close to home for about the first month. I've got an article uh, on Modern Alternative Mama this month that talks just about that. And I can link to that in the show notes too. Talks about why you want to stay home in the early weeks especially in that first month why it's important to just honor that time with baby but you're probably going to notice linking milk for several months at least so and especially in the newborn period while the milk supply is still getting regulated you may want to carry an extra shirt just in case you end up soaking your shirt or just in case baby spits up or anything like that it's always a good idea to have an extra shirt Another thing that you may notice in the early postpartum time is abdominal pain. This one really took me by surprise after my fifth baby. Um, Other moms notice it even after their first baby, and some moms don't notice it at all. But what's going on is the abdominal muscles, there's two bands of abdominal muscles that run up and down in your tummy, and those are called, or, you know, in your front those are called the recti muscles, and sometimes there'll be there's a band of connective tissue that connects them, and that tissue will actually get stretched so that the muscles separate during pregnancy. It's called a diastasis recti, uh, and that can cause a lot of pain for you after your baby's born. I actually talked about this on a recent episode of Natural Birth TV, and I'll link to that in the show notes because in that. Uh, In that video, I actually kind of give you a visual uh, to help you understand exactly what's happening and that may be helpful for you. So I will link to that. But the moral of the story is is that if that's happened, the area where those muscles have separated and where that connective tissue is stretched can be very tender. So you may want to... Use a belly binder and I would highly recommend that if you do experience this kind of pain that you look into a program to correct the diastasis recti. And again in the show notes I will link to some more resources about that, about my own journey with healing my own diastasis and some other articles that I've written and those all have lots of links. My favorite program is Julie Tupler's program and you can look through those links because I talk a lot about it. We mentioned bleeding some in the last podcast episode, um, and so we talked about bleeding in the in the first days, what's normal, what's not, uh, when you know that you need to call your nurse or your midwife. So normal bleeding is going to be like a heavy period for the first day or so, and then it tapers off um, pretty quickly, and it's it goes from being bright red to to a more brownish color and then finally yellowish and um, but not really it's not bright yellow or anything it's more of like just a tan and then finally to clear and then finally it's gone and you will probably think that it's gone by the time that it's clear but uh, but technically the the last final clear stage is still part of the lochia which is what that flow is called Uh, It lasts anywhere from two to four weeks is what the medical literature says is normal. A lot of moms experience longer postpartum bleeding than that. You may notice that postpartum bleeding has been redder and heavier in the early days and then it's tapered off to brown and then you get up and do something or you get really active or you go run errands and then all of a sudden you have a lot of bleeding. Um, I had this happen to me majorly after my first baby was born and I had taken her to the doctor for the first time and it was just a really incredibly stressful thing for me and um and when I got back in the car I felt like a gush afterwards and I just kept on the way home but when I got home I mean there was blood clots and I'd soaked through my underwear and everything Uh, the you know nothing held it back it was just I was glad that it happened after the appointment because it would have been horribly embarrassing at the doctor's office but it was terrifying to me I called my midwife right away and she essentially said that it sounds like you really overdid it and it was a really stressful situation And take your baby to bed and nurse her and stay in bed for a couple days. And if the bleeding continues to be heavy over the next few hours, give me a call back. And I took her advice and things tapered off right away. I have heard a lot of stories like that and lots and lots of moms that have bleeding. When Honor was about 12 weeks old, I moved bunk beds around in my kids' room and i hadn't had any bleeding for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and then all of a sudden i had some bleeding which went away and then i didn't actually start my period back for many many months after that so that bleeding i believe was just overdoing it and our bodies tend to tell us that we're overdoing it by getting fresh red blood so the lochia flow it's normal for about i would say 4 to 5 weeks the first few days it's going to be like a period And then it's going to gradually get lighter. It'll go from being red to pink to being much more brownish and then finally to that clear. And if at any time after the bright red has stopped, it returns to that bright red, then that's probably a sign that you're overdoing it. Some blood clots are normal. Small clots like the size of a quarter are pretty normal. Some moms have them. I've had big clots after some births and some, like after Corwin, really nothing at all. If you are worried, I think they say up to about the size of a golf ball is normal. But if you are really worried about it or if you feel faint or dizzy after a clot comes, then you should call your midwife. Also, if you're not noticing any bleeding at all, you should call your midwife or your nurse or doctor. Um. Using the bathroom is sometimes a challenging experience postpartum, so that's something that you should be uh, looking out for. Some moms really have trouble going to the bathroom just peeing during and after birth, and then some moms find having a bowel movement postpartum to be really challenging. Uh, Getting plenty of fluids can help keep things moving. Uh, Something that I've actually just learned recently is that if you put some drops of peppermint oil into the toilet or on the bottoms of your feet, if you're having trouble peeing, it usually uh, helps stimulate the urge to urinate and that I thought that was really interesting but it, it's also really easy to do and it's much better than thinking about having a catheter inserted so if you're having trouble you may want to send somebody out for some peppermint oil. Um, but, but one thing that you're going to notice is if you're, even if you're not having any problems, you're going to feel like you're in the first trimester again, because you are going to need to pee really frequently. There's, what's happening is all of the extra fluid that your body held during pregnancy, which is really important. Remember your blood volume doubles during pregnancy and all of that extra fluid starts to mobilize pretty much right after birth. Your body just Like I said on the last podcast, your body just goes from being pregnant to not pregnant. It's just like that. And sure, you're nursing, but everything pregnancy is done, and so your body starts to mobilize all of that extra fluid, and you've got to go to the bathroom a whole lot. So just make sure that you're going to the bathroom regularly, getting rid of that fluid. It's important because it helps your uterus stay firm, Um, and after the first few days, that'll really pretty much go back to normal, but it is something to be aware of. You'll probably also notice that you're really, really hungry. Nursing mothers tend to be voracious, especially right after you've given birth. Your body is just hungry for nutrients to make milk, hungry for nutrients to heal up and to return to its pre-pregnancy state. So you're probably going to be really hungry, eat larger portions than usual, This is a great time to sit back, uh, let your husband or your mom or your auntie come and and serve you or have a meal train put together for you. That's another great idea if you have a a ladies group in the community or your church and somebody can bring you meals. This is a great time to do that. Just um, make sure that they know that. There's going to be a hungry mama waiting to eat. And you just sit back and you enjoy and you eat because your body is using every single calorie. And typically for me, the increased appetite has really lasted for the first month and a half, maybe two months. And then it starts to taper off. So give yourself a lot of leeway in that time. Don't worry about that pregnancy weight yet. Just give yourself leeway because that food is helping you to heal And it's helping you establish a great milk supply for your baby. And you want to establish a large, rich milk supply because these early weeks set the baseline for your milk supply. And you really want to be sure that you're getting the food that will support the milk that you want to make for your baby. You'll also tend to be pretty tired. That's pretty normal things go by in a blur. You'll hear many parents say that the early weeks are a blur, and that's just so true. It is a time that can get really tiring, and my biggest recommendation for you is to sleep when your baby sleeps. You've heard it from everybody, and you probably just dismiss it or are rolling your eyes or saying, no, not again, but the truth is is that you're probably going to be up in the night with your baby, even if you're co-sleeping, uh, even if you're doing attachment parenting, even if you're not doing attachment parenting because you've heard that it's exhausting. It doesn't matter. Life with a new baby is just exhausting and I really recommend that if your baby is going to sleep that you lay down and you sleep or if you're in the early weeks hopefully you're still spending a good portion of your or you're spending a good portion of your first week in bed with your baby and when your baby goes to sleep you can just close your eyes and drift off. Um and then even in the early weeks you're pretty much just lounging around the house enjoying your baby, letting somebody else take care of things while they can uh and you just sleep and rest as you need to. I know that for those of you that have older children, sometimes that seems hard. You don't know how you're going to be able to handle that. And I've talked some about that in other podcast episodes. And maybe I can do an entire podcast episode on how you can create a a restful lying in period for you and your baby. But for now, just know that you'll be tired that really is a valid thing and you really can indulge and rest and enjoy this time to just cuddle up with your baby and bond, spend lots of time skin to skin, spend lots of time nursing, snoozing together, eat good food, go to the bathroom frequently, just take it easy, uh, let go of expectations of yourself and know that in a month or two you're going to be ready to start jumping back into life, going to mother's group meetings and looking back towards the getting into the routine of your new normal with your new baby. Okay, I think that's everything that I had for this episode. I would love it if you would leave me a rating on iTunes or let me know what you think in Stitcher's directory, any other podcast directory that you're listening on. I love the feedback. I especially love it when you leave me a review. Please let me know what you liked. Let me know if I can improve upon something. I love hearing from you and I will talk to you in just a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life Podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.